0: Pray together. Father, now we come to the teaching of your word. We are so grateful for the privilege we've had to bring praise to your name, to acknowledge your power, to give to you our prayer requests, our tithes, our offerings, and to be reminded that you are the God of miracles. We ask for miracles today. You know every situation, every heart, every need, you have a plan, you have love, and you have power. Allow us to trust in you, to trust in what it is you are doing. We pray that for our brothers in Southern Europe, as uh, Lord, they are seeking to share the hope of the gospel with 300,000 Pakistanis who are there as refugees. God, we pray for uh, those who are leading. We pray uh, for Your blessing on their families. God, now as we open Your Word, I ask uh, simply that You let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Your sight. O oh, Lord, my Rock and my Redeemer, in Christ's name, Amen. We uh, we're in this year where we're talking about good news and, and what Jason was just thinking about is good news. We have a God of miracles. He's entered into our world. God could have left us in our dead and our dead uh, you know, souls and, and separated from God for all of eternity, but instead eternity became flesh and dwelt among us and he has now taken responsibility for our sins and died for them, has been raised. And now because of our relationship with God, we have access to God and God in the name of Jesus, is listening. And so we are to pray. And so this month, we're talking about prayer. We're looking at the life of Daniel, and we're understanding how it is we can pray in any and every circumstance, no matter what emotional condition we may be in at any particular moment. Let's remember what prayer is. We have a very simple definition. Prayer is communion and communication. Remember, it's presence and talking. It's not just us talking, it's also God speaking to us through His Word. It's, uh, excuse me, prayer is communion and communication between the children of God and their Heavenly Father by the power of the Spirit in the name of Jesus. It's a simple interaction that can release the power of God in the world. Remember, God does as He pleases, but there are times when He pleases to limit Himself to the prayers of His people. So we are responsible to pray and to know that our prayers are very important because many times God is going to only move according to the prayers and the petitions that He is inspired by His Word and by our particular circumstance. This morning we want to talk about how it is we pray when we're afraid. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn to Daniel chapter 2. you didn't bring a Bible, I want to encourage you to take one of those in the pew rack because we're going to be working verse by verse through this, and you're going to want to need to keep up, and it will help you. This message is much more of, of an explanation than, than it is an exhortation. So let me encourage you, if you have your smartphone or tablet or whatever, go to the App Store and download the ESV Bible. That's what I use, that's what we use here, and you'll find that helpful. But we're in Daniel chapter 2. Last week we were in Daniel 1. If you'll remember, when things finished off in, in chapter 1, things were going okay. Um, yeah Daniel had been hurt he'd been taken from his family he had been told not to address this god to get to take on a new pagan lifestyle and, and he, he determined in his heart he wouldn't do that. He sought God in prayer, and the lord provided and so it seemed like things were going going to be okay um, Daniel and his friends had been blessed by God. They had been shown that, that the Lord was going to be with, him, uh, with them all the way through. Now, they're almost done with their studies. They were going to give, be given three years, and we don't know if they're almost done or about to be done when we come to Daniel chapter 2. Now, we, we know that Daniel's in good with his boss, and well, that's always good to be in good with your boss. So, King Nebuchadnezzar seems to like Daniel, appreciate him, gave him a promotion, that all seems to be going good. And if you'll remember in Daniel chapter 1, look real quick in verse 17. put back and look in verse 17. You'll remember that there was a provision made for Daniel that he would have the capacity to, to be able to interpret and understand visions and dreams. We talked about this last week. If you weren't here, be sure and go back and listen to it on the app or on the website. But there are times when you're going to go through hurtful seasons, and, and God has a plan for that. And what He's going to do is He's going to provide for you not only in that moment, but He's going to give you something that you're going to need later on. So be be careful as you're going through seasons and you're growing in your faith in Jesus Christ not to forget the blessings that come to you just because you don't apply them in that moment. You need to be mindful of the gifts, the spiritual gifts that God gives you because they're going to come into play at some point in your life. And so here's Daniel, in good with his boss almost done with his training, maybe just done with his training to work in his government position. He's been given this, this spiritual gift, but then you get in Daniel chapter 2, all right, and uh, things have gotten bad real fast. Nebuchadnezzar's in the second year, and he's freaking out, okay, he's scared, and, and here's why. Kings like Nebuchadnezzar, they get in their position of power, through military conquest, the blood, the probability that he will be killed by another more powerful leader is, is highly probable. So he's already paranoid. He's only in his second year. He's not used to all the power yet. He's not used to everything that's going on. Then he has this dream. Look in verse one. He has a dream, and 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 understand. Kings like Nebuchadnezzar in that day, they they were already afraid of the natural things that were going on, but they believed. That, that there was a supernatural reality going on. And so when they had dreams like this, they knew that there was, there was there were, they were significant. But he didn't know what to do with it. So he's already on edge. Now he's got this dream. And now he knows, okay, something is serious wrong. Now, what am I going to do? Now remember, Daniel had been given the spiritual gift in verse 17. Remember, in the last chapter to be able to provide for this. And and so here here is this king. He's he's freaking out and he felt threatened. So what does he start doing? He starts threatening people. He starts asking people for, for impossible things. Look what he did in verse two. He wanted the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans to be summoned to tell, look at this, to tell the king his dreams. He's so scared. He knows that there is no room for error. So he he wants a miracle. He doesn't just want them to interpret the dream. Look what it says in verse 2. He says, he wants them to tell him what he dreamed. Not just interpret the dream that they've been trained to do. He wants them to know what was in his mind and going on with him that night in the dream. He expects them to tell him and then to be able to interpret it. He's afraid. He is very afraid. He couldn't risk a wrong Nebuchadnezzar. And so he, he begins to raise the stakes. And he basically says, you do it or you die. You tell me what I dreamed, tell me what it means, or you are going to die. Why such extreme volatile behavior? Because he is afraid. Friends, be very careful of what you would say you would never do. You don't know what you are capable of doing given enough fear and pressure. He's afraid. He's under extreme pressure. He is responding in the flesh. And so what do the guys say? I'm looking for verse sin 11. They couldn't do it. They said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demands. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchantor. The thing that the king asked is difficult, and no one can show it to the king. Look at this. Except the gods whose dwelling is not with the flesh. What do they saying? King, no one's ever asked this. You're asking the impossible What you're asking is super... It's beyond the... It's super natural. King Nebuchadnezzar doesn't care. He's so afraid. He basically says, look at verse 12. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Why? Because they were trained to be wise men. So what do, what do Daniel and his buddies do? All right, this is the this is the turn point in this text. So I'm gonna ask Claudia to come up. Let's all uh, stand together in honor of God's word. We're in Daniel chapter two, and. This is, the current, this is the turnkey of understanding this text, uh, verses 17 through 19. I'm going to look on with you, Claudia. Go ahead and read that for us. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in the vision of the night, in Daniel, bless the God of heaven. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Claudia. If you would go ahead and be seated. <laughs> he called for a season of prayer. He called for a time of focused prayer. That's what he did, that made all the difference. That was not only the, the the result, but it was also the trigger of everything else that needed to happen. Prayer, prayer is what it's about, friends. God is calling us in communion with Him to communicate, to hear from Him, to to speak with Him. So so that in our relationship with Him, He gets the glory, we get the peace, and we get to enjoy His favor. There are times, and and, and there's always a time, we should always be in prayer, but there are also specific times of of specific prayer. Right now our church is in one of them. Uh, We're asking that everyone pray every single day for specific needs. Last week we began this, and so tonight at 7 o'clock you'll get your second edition of our weekly prayer focus. Every single day there's a specific scripture, of a specific need that you are to pray for. You'll find it on our website under the More tab. You'll find it on our Facebook site. You'll find it on Twitter. You'll find it on my social media, other social media. Every single day we are to, to be entering into prayer together. Uh, more than that, not only are we doing a, a weekly prayer focus, we're also having a monthly time of fasting. And so this last week, we had a time of fasting. It was on Thursday, and, and I was so thrilled to hear from so many of you. It was kind of funny. Uh, I heard from several people uh, that actually ended up fasting on Thursday, uh, Friday. They texted me like, oh, Pastor, I totally forgot. Is it okay if I fast on Friday? And at first I jokingly said, no, you've lost your salvation. Forget it. It's out. You're out and I said, I'm just kidding. Yes, please pray. We don't believe that. lie. Either. But pray, ask God's provision, fast and pray. And it's been so exciting to, to hear of what how God is moving us to pray together. And I, it, it really takes me back. And part of where this is coming from, and is from my personal experience as your leader, in 2004, I was in a doctoral course with Gordon McDonald. Uh, He wrote a great book, Ordering Your Private World. If you're looking for a really good book on just life, how do I live my, how do I think about life? Ordering Your Private World by Gordon McDonald? I took this course with him, and that week I had some time with him, and I was talking to him about what was going on with my life. At that point, I was 30 years old, the pastor at this church was growing rapidly. Uh, We were having to make some decisions about what we were going to do as far as, Land and building, and, and I was laying over my head, and and really, there's a lot of fear in me. And I sat down and I explained this whole thing, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, "Son, you're talented. God's blessed you. You have gone gone as far as you can go on your abilities. If you want to go any further, it will only happen through prayer." So I tried to pray, but I never felt that I was. there. I never felt like I reached what God wanted. And so there was a sense of of angst in me. I just it, I, I knew that we I was I was beginning, but I knew I wasn't there. The next year I, I went to another doctoral class, this time under Dr. Harry Reeder was the professor. He wrote uh, the book's Embers to a flame. It's on church health. The whole thing was on church health and how you lead a healthy church and I had time to sit down with him to talk through our church, and my life. I had not shared with him what uh, Gordon McDonald said it wasn't any his business. And so I sat down with him, and I explained what was going on. And I, you can't make this stuff up. We sit down, I explain it, he looked at me, and he said, Son, you have gone as far as you can go on you. From this point forward, if you're going to go forward, you're going to have to pray. I said, what do you mean? Now, I didn't do that. I, I said, I hear you. And I shared a little bit of my frustration. I knew that. I'd heard that. And I was trying to lean into that. I was trying to learn that. And I think that's where we as a church, where, it's where we are as a church. Listen, church, Living Hope, you are good. You are amazing. God has drawn together such leadership and so much capacity. But what the Lord is asking us to do, we can't do. We're a church on multiple campuses and multiple venues and multiple languages. We are a part of partnerships that impact not only our city and state and our nation, but the corners of the world. And we're, we're expected to go and join God and be a part of what's happening there. More than that, God has called us to be a place where people who are broken can come and get biblical counseling. And and the lives are being changed, but not because we're so smart, but because God is so good. We can't do this. And now, if if you affirm this today, we're going to begin to, to be a voice for the voiceless, the unborn, and provide care for mothers and hopefully salvation, and life will come. And I'm telling you, we can't do this as amazing as you and we are. Only God can do what he's calling us to do. We've gone as far as we can go on our abilities. If we want to go further, if we want to do what God said to do, friends, we've got to pray. We've got to pray. Daniel, pray. What we see in our text is is God calling Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah to trust him. God wants us to have Strength in the faith. The only way we can have strong faith is that we have to acknowledge and be weak in the flesh. We have to acknowledge that we can't do what God, God alone can do. And that reveals our weakness. But it's in that very moment we find strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 7, "...so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited." Three times i pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should lead me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul says, therefore, I boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on, upon me. So what God does is he says, okay, I want you to do what is absolutely impossible unless I do it. I want to do it through you. Now, the only way that we can possibly do that is, is is that we have not strength in the flesh, but strength in the faith. So how does God strengthen our faith? James tells us, James chapter 1, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfected and complete, lacking in nothing. What does God do? He takes us to a place where we are afraid, where we can't rely on our gifts and abilities and strengths anymore where we have to rely on the Almighty, our God, in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, through prayer and His acting in the world. And that's where we are. If we want to do what God's called us to do, we've got to pray. We are being called to pray. Daniel and the boys were being called to pray. Now understand, both both Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar were afraid. And I want you to take note of this. Write this down and don't forget this. In our broken world, fears come to all people. Fears come to all people. Did y'all hear about what happened in Hawaii last week? Is that crazy? So imagine you get this message on your phone: "Emergency alert! Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter." This is not a drill. Everyone who was sober became afraid. All right, that's normal. Please listen to me. Please. Fear, being afraid, is not a sin. It is a natural response to danger. King Nebuchadnezzar was afraid. Daniel was afraid. You're going to be afraid for your life, your health, your friends, your family, your prayers, and your desires. Write it down and remember that in a broken world, everybody responds to fear. We all get to choose how we respond to fear. You don't get to choose if you're going to be afraid. But what we do get to choose, because we're all going to be afraid, we have to choose our responses. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar freaked out. Why? Because he was in the flesh. He didn't have faith in the Almighty. It's all up to him. So he's freaking out. Now, many times in the flesh, we, people who are afraid, what do we do? Well, we use bad language. The reason why people curse is it's a revelation of pride. Humble people don't curse. Arrogant people do. So when you're in the flesh and you get afraid and you start cussing, it's because you're proud and you're depending upon you. If if not cursing, many times people get angry at themselves or others. Let me tell you what anger is. It's sadness plus pride. Sadness plus pride equals anger. The right response most of the time in life is sadness. Nebuchadnezzar had a bad dream. It looks like things were going south. The right response, man, this makes me sad. But instead, because of his pride, because of his pride, he got angry. Because he said, this shouldn't happen to me. I'm too important for this to happen to me. I, I am beyond this. There's no way this should be. Pride with sadness creates anger. When you're living in the flesh and you become afraid, sometimes you fall into Depression. Depression, yes, medical, it's it's also emotional, but it's always a sense of hopelessness. And, And if it's not cursing, if it's not anger, if it's not depression, it becomes anxiety. Let me tell you what anxiety is. Anxiety is a desire for but a lack of control. If you're anxious, it's because you want but can't have control. When you're living in the flesh and you become afraid... You start cursing, if you get angry, if you fall into depression, if, if you get anxious, it's because you're in the flesh. Nebuchadnezzar was in the flesh. Daniel responded differently. Look at look in verses 14 through 16. Daniel responded wisely and calmly. He didn't freak out. Look in verse 14. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. Prudence and discretion. That's wisdom. To Arioch, the, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone to kill the wise men of Babylon. Daniel first ought to understand... The situation before reacting. Look in verse fifteen. He declared to, to Ariot, the king of uh, the king's captain, "Why is the decree of the king so urgent?" Then Ariot made the matter known to Daniel. Friends, before you respond, make sure you understand what's going on. Before you start cursing, before you get anxious, before you get depressed, before you get angry, just stop. Stop and say, "Okay, what do I know?" Sharing this week. Different folks, I was shared with Baird last week when he, was, when he was, the situation with his dad, said, Jason, we can't know. Okay, we can't know this, but here's what we can know. God loves you. He has a plan, and he has the power to accomplish it. That's what we know. When you believe that, you don't curse. You're not angry. You're not depressed. You're not anxious. Daniel, respond and faith. And he acted in faith. Look at verse 16. He acted in faith. Look what he did. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint a point in time. Look at this, when he might show the interpretation to the king. He said, "Oh, oh, area, I got this. Set an appointment for me. I'll be there to interpret the the, uh, the dream, the vision. Don't don't worry about it." By the way, in the moment when he said that, he didn't know what's he doing. He knew that God had given him the spiritual gift. He knew what God had called him to do. In that confidence in what God had done, he anticipated what God would do. So knowing this, he was willing to trust God in this moment that God loved him, that God had a plan, and that God had the power to provide. And he gave him peace. See, Nebuchadnezzar couldn't have peace. Some of you, right now, you can't have peace, and here's why. Because you're living in the flesh. You're living in your own strength. You're counting on you rather than on God. See, that's that's not Daniel. Daniel had a relationship with God, so he had peace. Paul Tripp in his daily devotion said this this week, Peace is found only in trust. Trust of the one who is in careful control of all the things that tend to rob you of your peace. He knows, he understands, he is in control of what appears to be chaos. He is never surprised. He is never confused. He never worries or loses a night's sleep. He never walks off the job to take a rest. He never gets so busy with one thing that he neglects another. He he never plays favorites. You need to remind yourself again and again of his wise and loving control, not because that, that will immediately make your life make sense, no, but because it will give you rest and peace in those moments that all of us face at one time or another, when life doesn't seem to make any sense. Peace for those who choose to live by faith. If you will not live by faith, I want to tell you you're, going to, you're robbing yourself because that cursing, that anger, that depression, that anxiety, it robs you of your dignity, of your peace, of your hope, and of your joy. We have the choice to respond. Trusting in ourselves, which leads to, to the worst things, or trusting in God by faith, and that leads to the best things. We're all going to be afraid. We all have to respond. In our broken world, write it down. Disciples pray. Disciples pray. So, as Claudia read for us, what did did Daniel do? He, He looked to God. See, that's what disciples of Jesus do. They look to God for answers instead of themselves. They trust in God for provision instead of themselves. They find in God the power they need that is not in themselves. As disciples of Jesus, we are to, we are called to be like Jesus. What did Jesus do when he was afraid? You say, wait a minute, Jesus was afraid. Yes. Hours before his death, he was sweating blood. It happens when there becomes such a traumatic fear that blood vessels can absolutely can actually explode and begin to come out of your pores. What did Jesus do? Um, Luke 22, Luke 22, 39. And he came out and went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And there, uh, and, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his Sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. What did Jesus do? He got his three best friends and he went and prayed. What did Daniel do? He got his three best friends and they went and prayed. What do you do? Curse? Get mad? get depressed, get anxious. What do disciples of Jesus do? They get friends and they pray. Do you have mature friends in Christ that you can call on to pray with at any given moment? Friends, I have it. This week, there probably wasn't a day that, I, that there wasn't a prayer request sent to me by a close friend that I sent prayer requests to, that we get together and pray. We couldn't get together physically, but this week, heard from friends almost every day, pray for this. This is a serious need. Friends, you need friends. You need to be in a small group. You need to have people that are a text away, a call away, a door away from being in your pain and in your fear to pray with you. Jesus called his friends. Daniel called his friends. They prayed. Now, Jesus asked for an out. We don't know if Daniel and his friends asked for God to change the circumstance. Maybe they did. We don't know. But we know if they did, God said no, just like he said no to Jesus. Listen, if God tells you no because he has a better yes. If God tells you no, and he will, because he's a good father, because he's got a better yes. Daniel, Jesus, they prayed, they got together with friends, they trusted and they yielded and sought God's provision. God provided angels for Jesus. God provided a renewal of vision. God provided Daniel as friends as they were coming together. They were seeking God's provision. When you are afraid pray. Get friends to pray with you and write it down. In our broken world, God accomplishes his plans. Remember what I said. God can do whatever he wants to, but many times he chooses, he chooses to act in accordance with the petitions of his people's prayers as they count upon the promises of God. God began to act. God gave Daniel the the dream the information about the dream and its interpretation. Look at verse 19. He he now he understood, okay, this is what we're to do. And look what his next response was. He didn't get on social media. They had that. He didn't go and tell everybody, oh, God, "I got it. I got it." Look at verse 20 through 23. Look at the very first thing he did. It's the very first thing we need to do. He praised God. He didn't say, "Oh, thank you Jesus. I'm out." No. The first thing he said Glory to God. Glory to my provider. Glory to my strength, to my peace, my rock, my hope, my life. He stopped and he praised God. And then he went. He, he went and he, and, and he told the king the good news, 28 through 30. And then he explained, so look, look what happened here. The first thing Daniel did was he told him, okay, here's your dream. Talked about what was going to happen. What is he? What's he's explaining here through this statue is the future. He was explaining that the that the 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 the, 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 the Persian Empire, then the Greek Empire, then the Roman Empire were going to come, and then there would be a rock that would come that would transcend and overpower all other kingdoms. So he told him that. And then he explained it. Remember, the king wanted to know not just what the dream was, but an explanation. And the explanation is gospel good news. Look in verse 44. Look, see the gospel of Jesus Christ here. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. This is what God promised Abraham. This is what God promised Moses. This is what God promised David and all the prophets. This is what Isaiah the prophet was writing about in, in, in Isaiah chapter 9. He was talking about the kingdom that would stand forever under Jesus Christ. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is what Jesus said was happening while he was here, in his years of ministry, when Jesus began to preach. Matthew chapter 4, Matthew 4, verse 17, this is the word of Jesus. From that time Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom had come. What was promised to Daniel, what was promised through Isaiah, what was promised to David and Moses and Abraham, the promise had come. And this is what the apostles preached. This is what Paul preached. We read in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, of this kingdom and of God's plan. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the hope. This is the gospel. This is the good news. God has sent His Son to rescue sinners just as He promised He would. What what Nebuchadnezzar heard that day was the gospel, the good news that God was coming to save his people. And all who believe would be saved. Now God brought salvation to Daniel and his friends. Go back and study verses 46 and then 48 through 49. It, it was a it was a physical salvation uh, of their situation. God also brought salvation to King Nebuchadnezzar, same deal. It was a physical salvation salvation, but understand he did not trust in God for salvation. We know that, and we'll see that next week in Daniel chapter 3, because he still thinks he's a God. He still thinks he he can trust in himself. And here's what I want you to make sure you understand. This is very important. You are a part of one, two realities right now. Augustine, a great theologian, he described it as two cities. There's the city of man and the city of God. Some of you hearing me right now, you are citizens of the city of man. And what I mean by that, what Augustine meant by that, what Scripture means by that, is that you're trusting in yourself to get through life and death. And so long as you do that, when you're afraid, you're going to curse, you're going to get angry, you're going to get depressed, you're going to get anxious, and they're going to rob from you your dignity, your hope, your love, your peace. And that's your choice. But there is the city of God, and those who are members of it have repented of self-confidence in the flesh. And they've determined to trust in God by faith. Uh, writing about this, Earl Blackburn in his book, he says, there is the city of God, he's quoting Augustine, there's the city of God which is the church, Zion, and Christ's people, and there is the city of man which is the world system and those who willingly live in it. The city of God, not Rome or the USA, will eventually triumph over all, and a person's faith should ultimately be in the triune God as he is revealed in the face of Christ. So i got to ask you, who do you trust in? Are you trusting in yourself or are you trusting in Christ? Let me ask the question. Same question, just asked a different way. Are you praying every day, consistently, passionately, fervently? You say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where, where'd that come from? If you don't pray, it's because you trust in yourself. You've said, "I got this. I got this decision. I got this need. I can I can do what's needed." And and maybe you're living for such a small kingdom. That may very well be true, but I want you to hear something. You're missing the kingdom of God. You're missing the great blessing of walking under the supernatural power of the Almighty and being a part of His kingdom, which, by the way, what He calls you to do, you cannot do in and of yourself. He must do it through you. So I ask you again, are you faithfully praying? Are you a person of prayer? It tells you everything you need to know about where your faith lies, either in yourself or in Christ. It tells you everything about what you're living for. Things of this earth that you can control and get pleasure and power out of, or Christ and His kingdom where He gets all the glory. One city will be destroyed and sentenced to hell forever. One city will be established and it will never fail and it will never fade. It is heaven and it will stand forever. What city are you a part of? Some of you need to right now change your allegiance. You need to come and get on your knees and say, Lord, I want out of the city of man. I want in the city of God. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Take over my life. I'm your servant. I want to be in your kingdom. Some of you are members of God's kingdom. You're saved, but you don't trust Him because you don't pray to Him. And you need to repent of that right now. And you need to get on your knees and say, Lord God, forgive me for trusting me. Forgive me for living for something so small that I can control and give me a vision for what you want to do and and let me trust in you and walk with you. Now, some of you need miracles today. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Ask for the miracle. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, only you, only you can do what we desperately need done. Only you can save us from our sin. Only you can give us new life. Only you can provide the power to do what only what you have commanded to be done. Only you can perform miracles. We can't do it. And so I know there's some right now who need to come and get on their knees and ask, ask to be members of your kingdom, eternal kingdom and become disciples of Jesus. And I pray they will. Some right now need to come and say, "Lord, I am your disciple, but I'm not a person of prayer as I need to be. Show me a new way. I can't depend on me anymore. I got to depend on you." And then for those who are there, say, "Lord, I need you. I need your help. Please help me. Please do a miracle." Jason's gonna play. Jason, you may sing. Good you know your head bowed, the eyes of the down right now in this moment. Come praise me too. Ask for God to do what He can do.